Hi, this is Elaine Song from the HBAR Foundation, a driving force behind fostering vibrant communities on the Hedera network. You're now plugged into the edge of NFT, the edutainment force for fostering Web3 knowledge. Keep listening. Hey, Web3 Curious listeners, stay tuned for today's episode to learn about Hedera's highly differentiated mechanisms to onboard enterprises into Web3. Ian, what projects on the Hedera ecosystem our guest today finds most exciting? Hint, pack your suitcase. And why the Galapagos Islands might need to be on your bucket list. It's going to be a great show today, so sit back while we cue the intro. Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Jenny, and Josh Krieger, featuring a variety of top-notch guests and other hosts like myself, Richard Carthon. It's another production of the Edge of Company, a quickly growing media ecosystem empowering the pioneers of Web3 tech and culture and responsible for other groundbreaking endeavors like Outer Edge LA Innovation Festival. Today's episode features Elaine Song with HBAR Foundation, the platform that can help you build and understand your potential. Elaine has a diverse professional background and currently serves as the VP at Strategy at the HBAR Foundation. Before this, Elaine led crypto partnerships at OKCoin from April 2020 to June 2021 and worked with the business operations from October 2018 to April 2020, following her role as a consultant at Gartner. Following her career, she was a research analyst at Ponomatic Advocates in 2014, where she focused on quantitative government budget analysis, legislative language for defense procurement, and strategies for sustainable water technology alongside developing long-term business strategies for clients. The HBAR Foundation is at the forefront of fostering Web3 communities on the Hedera network by supporting and funding builders with six specialized funds, crypto economy, metaverse, sustainability, fintech, privacy, and female founders. The foundation nurtures the communities in these domains, facilitating their integration into a broader ecosystem. HBAR Foundation's collective efforts empower entrepreneurs, developers, and enterprises to address global challenges and establish self-controlled economies on the Hedera public network. We will uh, get right into it with Elaine. Come on, uh, come over and say hi, Elaine. Hey everyone, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. And I understand uh, you're in New England um, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, had four cups of coffee today. So we're we're exciting, a, a very uh, buzz conversation. Yeah, you're gonna get my best self today, that's for sure. <laughs> Love it. That's great, that's great. Um, is there snow over there right now? Yeah, it hasn't snowed like actively today, but there's still a little bit on the ground. I don't think um, we had some last week and then it melted and then there's been some fresh snow. Well, we just had um, Juju Smith-Schuster from the Patriots on, on the show and it had just snowed, I think 10 inches and he was about to uh, jump into a snowball fight with his family. So um, if you want to rematch with him, I'm sure we can make that arrangement. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm more of a grab a cup of coffee, look out the window type of type of snow day girl. But um, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> All right, we'll see what we can do. Um, you know, to to kick it off, 
you know, there's a lot going on there. We've had you guys on the show several times. Um, what what sort of what are you seeing on your end when it comes to the activity in the Hedera ecosystem these days? Yeah, it's been really fun. I think, you know, if you've since you've had, you know, us on a while, I think you've been able to track our kind of evolution over the past couple of years. The past month, I think, has been really exciting as we start to see DeFi kind of come back to the forefront. Um, you know, as as you know, you may or may not know, DeFi is one of our newer advances within our ecosystem. You know, we had our first staking and DEXs launch in 2021, um, or late 2021, early 2022. And so, you know, since then we've really been trying to like nurture and grow these platforms and these ecosystems and make them, you know, strong pillars within the broader Hedera ecosystem. And I think over the past month, we're really starting to see that come to fruition. One of our decks is called Saucer Swap is seeing kind of TVL almost double um, since like in the last month, since um, Q4 of 2023. And it's interesting when you look at those metrics because it's actually the amount of HBAR in the TVL that's been doubling, right? Not the price, which means that yes, because price is, is growing, you know, you'll see the TVL double, but the actual amount of HBAR being used within this DeFi economy is growing and doubling. And so that's, I think, a pretty, pretty interesting thing very for us to see. And obviously it's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been over to Saucer Swap. It's got a really nice interface and, and yeah. experience. Um what 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 is the like the the top way that po folks on board into Hedera, um, you know, globally? Because that's always a question I've gotten. Like, oh, how do I get started with Hedera? Yeah. So you know, we have a lot of the base infrastructure. So when you want to talk about wallets, you know, we have um, Ledger hardware wallet support for the HBAR asset. We have two key Web three uh, self custodial wallets. One is called Hashpack. The other is called Blade. So normally you'll on-ramp into those. Both those wallets have made a lot of advancements in allowing for fiat to crypto on-ramping and partnering with various payment service providers. And then you can also you know, buy HBAR off a number of centralized exchanges, whether it's um, Coinbase for like fiat and Bitstamp for fiat, or if you're going crypto to crypto, you know, Binance, OKX, uh, these kind of you know other big exchanges. So, you know. You are able to on-ramp into Hedera how you would other ecosystems, I would say. But I think naturally being able to on-ramp and improving that ease of accessibility for retail users is constantly top of mind for us. We actually just announced a Hedera wallet snap on MetaMask that'll allow for Ethereum comfortable users to on-ramp into the ecosystem as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think having that easy onboarding experience uh, it's, it's something that's critical. I remember back when I first learned about uh, Hedera, I had the opportunity to uh, to talk to Dr. Lehman Bard and, and uh, a few years back and was like, oh my gosh, it's really cool. Let me get into it. And the the onboarding process, on-ramping process has coming a long way. Um, and and I think it's consistently getting better. And, and one of the things I think has been really cool to see as well is just the HBAR Foundation continuing to grow and act in, in acting like a, a multiplier to help the, the builders and creators that you were talking about um, overcome some of the challenges that, you know, bringing on these people coming from web two into web three. Um, but I kind of want to just dive a little bit deeper real quickly into how does the foundation work um, and what's the approach with continuing to catalyze innovation and, and accelerating all of these innovations that Hedera is going after? Yeah, absolutely. Um... You know, I think the concept of a multiplier is definitely something that we try and bring into all of our work. 
Um, you know, if we're using like a snow analogy, um, since we've been talking about snow, I think for us, the our goal is to really create the conditions that will um, create for good snow or like good skiing or like good snowboarding, right? And then what we try and do is then just create, um, you know, kind of a fertile and robust um, set of conditions that once you have this push, once you have this catalyst to have your project launch or, you know, have your first X number of users, then it really facilitates the snowball effect where it's growing organically. And I think that's what we started to see in a number of our different focus areas, right? Whether it's DeFi or consumer engagement or payments and fintech or sustainable impact, really setting up the foundation that allows for builders to both build their use cases and then have those use cases build on top of each other in a more organic way. And so, you know, our strategy really is about ecosystem growth. Nice. And can you elaborate a little bit more on how the governance structure within Hedera is, is managed? Yeah, so Hedera is pretty unique in that it has what we call the governing council. So it's a group of up to 39 organizations, academic institutions um, who sit on various committees to um, oversee and govern the future of the network. Um, they have a number of different committees, whether it's TechCom, which is focused on the technical aspects of the or the technical roadmap of the network, or CoinCom, which is about the treasury and tokenomics of the network, or CorpCom, which I find to be the most interesting, which is where the governing council members sit together and discuss kind of various use cases and think about how they can both partner with each other, but also use the network. The fundamental, I would say, concept that underlies the governing council is this idea of chaotic systems. So when Manson Lehman first and have thought about and founded this idea of the Hedera Governing Council, they were really impacted by D. Hawk's book, so the founder of Visa, his book on um, chaotic systems and the idea that you can actually have um, kind of meaningful governance within a completely decentralized decision-making process. And so that's why I think is so unique about the Governing Council, which is you have, you know, I think uh, as of today, 31 different organizations all with their own individual votes coming to consensus on various matters through a decentralized voting system. And so that is something that I think is, is quite unique and given kind of how the ecosystem and our industry is maturing today, something that I think will stand the test of time. It's very cool. We just had uh, the founder of Tune FM on the show, uh, Andrew Antar, and he was just saying he loves the tech and that's why he chose Hedera. Um, so, you know, he appreciates sort of the ability to sort of allow decentralized streaming of music in this case um, on Hedera, and he couldn't find another uh, platform that, that accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. He also really loves data, like your one of your colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I, I kind of want to go back to something that you were talking about earlier, which is around, you know, one of the growing pieces of this, which is saucer swap. But in order to use a lot of the capabilities within the Hedero ecosystem is of course dealing with the native token, which is HBAR. Uh, so can you just tell us about like the role that it plays in the decentralized economy um, while also being energy efficient? Um, and, and how does that work with being energy efficient? Yeah, so the HBAR asset is like your standard utility gas token. So it powers all the transactions on the network. It also is a, a like a like a, a mechanism for like micropayments or any sort of transaction um, related costs on the network. 
um, we really consider this, you know, the underlying asset of the entire ecosystem. So it's a very powerful asset and that it has multiple forms of utility. Um, one of the key um, aspects of the network is that the fees are um, kind of, uh, the fees are denominated in dollars, right? And so this actually makes it possible for um, businesses, especially large businesses who are building on the network to actually build a business model around their use cases. And I think this is something that on other networks has been a challenge because the fees have been fluctuating, right? With the price of the asset. Now layer on top of that on Hedera, the fees are actually fixed. So no matter what the size of the transaction, whether you send you know, $10 or $10 million, the size of the transaction has no bearing on the actual price of the transaction or the cost of the transaction. And so you know, we find that this combination of fees denominated in dollars and then fees also being fixed is important and useful for both applications like SaucerSwap. So the end retail experience is very seamless, but also for large organizations who are looking to build scalable use cases on the network. That's a, yeah, I, I, I can't say I, I realized that until you just mentioned it. I was like, I was like, there's something about this experience that's different and enjoyable. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. That makes a lot of sense um, in terms of, uh, especially the the enterprise use cases for I, I can just imagine all the accountants out there that are saying okay this i can live with this whereas like these other options you gave me no bueno because it is really complicated to deal with all those conversions and and whatnot and requires a lot of infrastructure additional costs too to to run an organization that's global for example and having to convert currencies so uh that's really really cool to understand and you guys have a, a new stablecoin studio, um, mm -hmm. which I, I found pretty interesting. To um, which is about creating stablecoin applications on on networks. What's that all about? Yeah, the stablecoin studio is best thought of as an open source product that allows for people to issue and develop stable value assets on the Hedera network. So we have for a long time thought that stable coins were one of the killer apps within our industry. And over the last couple of years, Hedera as an ecosystem has put in a lot of effort into facilitating the emergence and growth of stable coins within our ecosystem. So we actually have um, an Australian dollar stable coin that's launched by ANZ Bank in Australia. We have um, a Singapore dollar stable coin, which is launched by the StraightX team out in Singapore. Um, and these are just two out of, I think the current six or seven that we have on network. And what we have noticed in that kind of trajectory, plus the fact that we have a number of banks who sit on the governing council, is that there is a very strong interest in trying to launch these stable coins, but there are some key challenges. And the stablecoin studio was designed to address those key challenges. The first was that the I guess the resource gap between institutions or developers who sit at institutions and then the ability to develop on crypto networks is kind of wide, right? So we wanted to make the Stablecoin Studio an open source product that is easy to easy to develop upon and also has kind of a base level um, work already done. So it's actually a, a fast and seamless experience. The second is that um, a lot of these financial institutions are looking to remain compliant, 
regardless of what the regulatory regime is. And so what we try to program in into the Stablecoin Studio, and what I would consider one of the best parts of the studio, is what we call compliance by design. So the architecture of assets that use the Stablecoin Studio is pretty unique in that you actually have a Hedera token as a base, which is a natively issued asset on the Hedera network. It's incredibly fast, incredible, incredibly scalable, and very cheap. But you actually have a smart contract uh, governance wrapper on top that allows for you to control and have more control over the considerations over this asset. It allows you to have kind of more nuanced and like stratified um, roles and responsibilities around the asset as well. And it also allows you to program in different KYC um, and AML considerations depending on what the asset is. And so this compliance by design was something that we think will be incredibly important as one, regulation continues to evolve, and two, as institutions continue to try and uh, respond to those regulations while still using this new technology. So, you know, the, the thought that went into um, structuring the Stablecoin Studio is something where we intend for it to be used by anyone and everyone um, in an easy way that allows for kind of this explosion of stablecoins um, on the network. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. Yeah, I, I really love that. And, you know, one of the things I've really enjoyed about the Hedera ecosystem in general is that you've always been like focused on enterprise and like figuring like, how do we really reach the mass? Like, how do we go about that? And I, I haven't heard it be deconstructed the way that you just did talking about the challenges and how you're going to approach it. And I think it's a really smart way to, to go about that. Um, and, and I know that you're even trying to do this, uh, you know, to make stable coins even more transformative in the web three market, but I kind of want to go uh, just a little bit broader and just talk about more of all of the projects that are going on in the Hedera ecosystem. Um, which ones can you kind of talk about that are crossing major milestones and that you're looking forward to some, some potential announcements in the upcoming quarter and that has you excited? Well, I'd be remiss not to mention our DeFi ecosystem. I think over the last month, it really has started to see this resurgence. I think as we saw the excitement with the ETF news and leading up to that, I think we're starting to kind of go back to our roots, in this case, DeFi, and start to see, okay, how does that actually evolve to meet this new market or these new entrants or this kind of new um, excitement that's coming in. So I really think that we'll start to see more activity and more interest and more growth in the DeFi space on Hedera, which from my perspective is, is very exciting. Um, we're also starting to see a couple of very interesting um, 
applications, I would say, in the brand loyalty space. Um, one thing, and I think this is kind of the flip side of the enterprise. You know, when we talk about enterprises, you know, I think when it comes to like corporates or um, financial use cases, it's very, it's very clear kind of who those enterprises are, right? They're like, um, like big conglomerates or you know, financial institutions and banks and whatnot. On the consumer engagement or the retail side, those enterprises are actually um, kind of owners and um, I guess holders of large intellectual property or brands, right? Whether they're sports teams or media and entertainment um, companies or things like that. And so we're starting to see those industries start to think about Web3 and crypto as an interesting way for them to re-engage their fans and re um, kind of relook at what it means to be a fan or like a, an engaged customer. And so this ownership economy that we're starting to see come out of these ecosystems is definitely something that we're seeing being translated on chain on Hedera as well. So I think, you know, hopefully in the next year, we'll be able to see new applications that use both the physical and digital worlds on Hedera and really kind of bridging different activities that make it easier and more fun as a consumer to engage with your favorite sports brand or your favorite media brand, but also makes it uh, more meaningful from a brand perspective in terms of how to engage with our customers. Very cool. I think that will be exciting this year. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a that's a great use case for for Web three in general, and and one that takes a while to cook. Um, you know, we, we were pretty impatient the last sort of cycle when it came to seeing that type of applications, but you know, when you're starting to work with big enterprises and brands, as, as you know, since that's a focus of Adair, it takes a little time to build up these um, these projects and to get them launched and to make sure that, you know, all the boxes are checked. It's not like these uh, two-month sprints and then you have a new product, right? Yeah, and I think what's most exciting is, um, you know, I think probably a lot of, and it, I think the feedback or criticism is fair, but I think a lot of the feedback that our industry gets is that the first use cases always seem kind of weird, right? So in DeFi, it was like speculative, like really speculative trading around like, you know, really funky assets. For NFTs, it was like, you know, random crayon drawings and, you know, whatever. And so, you know, when you look at those initial use cases, you start to question like whether that underlying technology is being used in the you know, most efficient, uh, effective or, or meaningful way. But when you look at kind of how those use cases lead into the second or third order use cases, then I think it starts to make a lot more sense, right? The kind of collectible use case that was really popular in 2021, 2022 is making way now for these loyalty and um, like ticketing based use cases. Right. So being able to understand and distill the kernels of what this technology is actually enabling and then um, imagining on top of that, how that can be used for like future problem solving for, say, like a like a large um, like a large sporting brand. I think that's something that's really exciting for us. And so you know, it takes time. But I also think that, you know, they're constantly iterating on each other. Cool. Are there any specific projects that you want to give a shout out to? I know we mentioned Tune FM. Are there any other ones where you know, people, if they're curious about the Hedera ecosystem, should go do some Googling? Yeah, one of the big ones and the most exciting ones has been a team called Zenny Travel. Uh, they are a wholesale travel experience uh, booking um, ecosystem. 
And one, as like a retail user, you know, you're you can use it, right? So it's very exciting, um, you know, if you're looking to have a more efficient travel booking experience. Um, the second thing I think from a strategic perspective is that we are starting to see this intersection between Web two and Web three companies. And so, you know, kind of understanding in the case of like ZeniPay, understanding an existing business model and seeing how DLT and how token based incentives and token based payment rails can improve upon existing business models, I think is really, really exciting. It really opens up the world in terms of mainstream adoption. And I think Zenny is a really good example of that. So, um, you know, I'd encourage people to take a look at that one. Well, I love to travel. So, um, and Richard does too. Um, man, I, I, Richard, a flash just went through my, my mind of all the crazy things we've eaten in uh, all the places we went this last year. So hundred percent. Yeah. Um, if you, Elaine, if you haven't had bone broth soup or, or a rib, I guess it was rib soup for breakfast, highly recommend it. Um, I, I have, I'm Korean and those are two very, you know, staple, staple foods. So I, I, yeah, they're I good. It might've been a familiar territory for you, man. I had never thought of that type of breakfast before, but it was absolutely delicious. And I had all this energy all day. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, we'll get to know more about you. That's a great segue. We're going to move to our next segment, Edge Quick Hitters. Okay. NFTLA returns as an inclusive week of community events throughout LA, celebrating the outer edge of innovation. Builders be building. There's so much energy colliding around gaming, AI, generative art, the metaverse, decentralized social, and the future of entertainment. If you want to be in the mix, including the official free NFTLA celebration, visit OuterEdge.Live to subscribe for your updates in RSVP. All right. Edge Quick Hitters are a fun and quick way to get to know you a little bit better. There are 10 questions. We're looking for just a short, single, or few-word response but feel free to expand if you get the urge. You ready? Ready. All right. So far, you've been doing great on uh, lack of sleep and four cups of coffee, so I'm not too worried about uh, what's to come. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Ooh, that's actually a tough one, which I think maybe goes back to how much of consumer-based we are. Um, I can't tell you the first one, but I can tell you my, my most memorable, which is uh, the gift I bought myself for my 30th birthday. Cool. And what was that? Uh, it was a purse I had been eyeing for a couple of years. <laughs> nice. You're, that's like my girlfriend. Uh, when she decides she wants to buy something, she she thinks about it for a really, really long yeah. time. I, I think it's good. Responsible it, consumerism. Yeah. Just do I really, really want this? Um, whereas like the problem with Amazon, of course, is like you just jump right in like uh like she was telling me, oh, I'm having, I want to make sweet potato fries at home because they're healthier. And then like within five minutes, I'm ordering some like industrial French fry maker. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of insane. Like I was um, just thinking back on like this week, I have bought so many things, but I just can't really remember them, which is kind of a sad realization. <laughs> yeah. Deep thoughts on edge of <laughs> What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Um, lemonade in my school playground. I think I was five or six and I actually ended up getting in trouble because it turned into this like bizarre marketplace and the school administrators were like, 
you can't be selling like stickers off the school bench or something. So I remember I actually got in a little bit of a trouble. So, so where where were you um, based at, at this time? Where where did you grow up? Uh, it was in California. So, okay. So, yeah. so so we've learned on this show because this has come up that you are allowed to do that if you live in Venezuela and and it's actually encouraged to be a student entrepreneur. But in the U.S., we're ironically we're not so sort of pioneering. Interesting. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. It, it was almost like it was almost like they weren't. If I rem if I remember correctly, it was almost like there weren't like the appropriate like rules set in place. So I think they were worried about like other kids getting ripped off or something, and that was like, it's like a nickel for a sticker. Like, yeah. If only you had like Hadera governance procedures <laughs> to, to support your 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 entrepreneurship. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about something more recent. Uh, what is the most recent thing you have purchased? Um, an Uber from the airport. Good one. Uh, yeah, Uber uh, has definitely been a, a good friend of mine over the last couple yeah. of years. Uh, well, technically, I guess I should say Lyft. Fair enough. Both. I, yeah. You know, you, you check you check the rates on both. See which one's better. Go Thank for it. Thank you. Yeah, especially <laughs> when the difference is like $50. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's no brainer. And, and sometimes considering just how long it's going to take before someone can actually show up. It's, a, it's, it's another one. Um, yeah. But what is the most recent thing you've sold? Uh, furniture when I was moving out of my apartment in New York. Another nice. one. A little bit of feng, feng shui there. And what is your most prized possession? Um, a watch from my dad. Cool. Um, did he give it to you? Um, for a certain occasion and, and does the watch have like a deep history story? Yeah, actually the, so it's a vintage, uh, it's a vintage Rolex. It's two-toned, which I feel like normally is like pretty gaudy, but because it's so old, um, it actually looks pretty like wearable on like a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and it was given to my dad when my parents got engaged. So it's like 30, eight maybe 39 years old um and they gave it to me for my 25th birthday nice if yeah. you could buy anything in the world digital physical service or experience that is currently for sale what would it be i it's something that i do right now um i live a pretty remote nomadic work life um and so we are i'm actually going to copenhagen for like six-ish weeks next year or i guess this year and so being able to like buy that experience the ability to work from anywhere in the world if you can do it i would highly recommend yeah it's awesome um remote life culture is spectacular you know because of COVID, everyone kind of got a taste of it but for those who were doing it before or getting to extend it it's it's pretty awesome and live, working in web3 you know you pretty much live in a in a remote culture world first uh, and it helps to be able to go and, and, and have experiences you otherwise wouldn't be able to have. So I, I, I want to co-sign that one, Elaine, because that's a, yeah, it's a good one. Um, if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Um, I would say patience and resilience. Yeah, I like that. Um, you need both as an entrepreneur or even working in a startup, um, because you know sometimes you can't see the light of day, uh, but also got to be patient because uh, 
you're building, you're building while you're flying out of the airplane, right? Or while you jumped out of the plane and trying to build one. So yeah, uh, definitely understand that. On the flip side of that question, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits for the next generation, what would it be? I think it would be like um, agita. So like the ability to kind of, or the, the, the sense that you kind of constantly have to be doing something or kind of you know, need to be on the move. I think being able to be still is, uh, is an, an important trait. Yeah, totally agree. I just uh, downloaded um, Waking Up, one of those meditation apps, and I've mm. been enjoying that one lately. Highly recommend it. Nice. It has some really nice meditations to like fall asleep because I'm one of those people where my mind runs at, at night. And uh, I actually did a DNA test that said that my, um, you know, my genes are for me to have insomnia. So I'm like, wow, I should really work on this. So highly recommend it. I didn't um, know there was a genetic component to that. Apparently, yeah. And now a brief interlude from today's show so you can get ready to wave your magic wand with Cast Magic. Our team has saved a ton of time and money using Cast Magic for our show, and the potential use cases are boundless for any company creating content. Imagine turning a single recording into a goldmine of engagement for any type of show, webinar, or other type of audio and or video content, whether it's short or long. With Cast Magic, you can save over 20 hours a week. No more tedious transcribing or brainstorming social media posts. Cast Magic does it all, generating show notes, summaries, blog posts, and even newsletters in minutes. Think of it as your content alchemist, transforming every audio or video into a treasure trove of valuable content. Want to experience the magic? Get a seven-day trial on us by going to bit.ly forward slash Cast Magic referral and join Cast Magic's vibrant Slack community of over a thousand innovators don't just create cast your magic with cast magic um true diagnostics pretty cool you you learn all sorts of crazy stuff about yourself um what did you do just before joining us on the podcast i made coffee yes and drank drank four cups i believe yes <laughs> um, what are you going to do next after the podcast I have a work meeting on wallet infrastructure, which I'm very excited about. Very cool. Yeah, wallet infrastructure, definitely a, a big topic for, for 2024 and beyond. Richard, do we have a bonus question today for Elaine? We absolutely do. And uh, it's a fun one. So uh, since you mentioned Zenny Travel in the earlier segment, we're going to keep the theme of, of travel. What has been your favorite travel destination of all time? And what's a a uh, bucket list trip that's still on your list? Ooh, okay. When I was in uh, high school, I went to the Galapagos Islands, which was super cool, um, really incredible, very memorable, really makes you feel um, very small in the grand scheme of things, which I appreciate. Um, just incredible. Um, yeah uh, we um we took like a um like a little boat for like a week traveling the different islands and seeing like the blue-footed boobies and you know the the like the turtles and um all the sea i got headbutted by a sea lion which was which was fun um wow really just kind of incredible um it's so, a yeah fragile ecosystem and they're they're like very gentle with how many people can go and what you can do and like they've managed to like preserve time right it 
You know, I, I haven't, I mean, I've traveled to like some, obviously like beach destinations, like, you know, your standard, like Tulum, like Bahamas, whatever. But, um, I remember so vividly, we had parked the boat in the middle of nowhere. It was off one of these small islands and, um, they were letting us kind of swim. Right. Um, and we climbed up to the top of the boat and looked down and you could see all the way down. And it was probably like, like 40, 50 feet down. And you can just see like all these different like layers of fish. And it was, it was incredible. Um, but I think it, that's only because they are so strict and stringent about, you know, who can go and like what you can do and things like that. that so what's, the next, beautiful. what's the next big one? The, the one that's like, you know, you're itching to do when you have the time. Um, I think Australia and New Zealand. It's just it's so it's so hard to get there. So trying to plan for that trip. But I actually heard um, I heard that like eighty or ninety percent of flora and fauna in New Zealand is endemic, and so it looks completely like a different world, like when you're there because they're just plants that you've never seen. Wow. Yeah. I. I th those those spots are definitely on my list as well. Um, trying to figure out how to make that happen in the crazy world of web three. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, not easy, but. Yeah. And, and Elena, just to speak to that. So like growing up, there's only one place in the world I've ever wanted to go to. And it was Australia, uh, specifically yeah. Sydney. And ironically that my very first date with my now wife, she was like, Oh, well, I have family in, in, in Sydney. So stick around long enough when it might, it might just happen. <laughs> so, uh, got to visit and I, it, it blew my expectations. So I can say that Australia is awesome. So yeah, I'm, I'm, that for you. I'm, I'm considering that a 2025 trip. I feel like it takes a full year to kind of plan for it. There you go. Um, Elaine, uh, it's time for our next segment called shout out where you get a chance to sort of, um, you know, make it make the world aware of someone that maybe doesn't always get as much spotlight attention uh in in your world that uh you know probably having to do with the hedera ecosystem maybe or, or some of the things that you do that we just want to sort of acknowledge on the show hello again web3 curious listeners if you're tuning into our podcast we'd love for you to connect with us on our social media channels let us know what aspects of the show you love and what or who you're eager to hear more about your insights help us refine the show and bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Thanks for sticking with us. Back to the episode. Ooh. Okay. I would like to shout out our head of people and culture, Hannah, who does an incredible job trying to keep our remote first uh, company happy, productive, um, and I guess, uh, well-nourished in both a professional and personal sense. That's great. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think I, I've run decentralized companies now for the last decade and it, it's, it's an art and it takes a lot of like culture management. So it's great yeah. to have a Hannah in your life. So shout out to Hannah. Thanks for what you're doing to, uh, keep this team moving forward. Elaine, thanks so much for joining us. This has been so much fun um, learning more about Hedera, learning more about you. And uh, obviously, it's clear that you, Rich, and I have similar travel sort of enthusiasm. So maybe we'll find each other on some other part of the world at some point in the future. But in the meantime, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and, and what's going on with Hedera? 
Absolutely. So you can find us at HBAR underscore foundation, HBAR all capitalized. And then you can find me talking about what I find most exciting about our work at Elaine Song 7. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. We have reached the outer limit at the edge of NFT for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on the Starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? If you're listening, go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and say something awesome. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and pass this episode on to a friend or two. Then go to Edge of NFT to dive further down the rabbit hole. Subscribe to our newsletter for the latest shows, contests, and more Web3 updates. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces. Start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great Web3 content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of NFT reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. Our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. From time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of those links. Refer to our website, www.edgeofnft.com, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, and privacy policy.